Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Before we jump into the interview, I want to tell you about the Baltimore Craft Beer Festival. It's the largest all-Maryland craft beer festival in Baltimore, featuring more than 60 Maryland breweries, dozens of vendors, live music, and local eateries. This event directly supports the Brewers Association of Maryland and Strong City Baltimore. Full details can be found at BaltimoreCraftBeerFestival.com. Hello, I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today we're joined by Julie Verratti, co-founder of Denizens Brewing Company. And what's your official title? Uh, I am now the chief brand officer. Would you get a promotion? Yes, I did get a promotion. Thank you very much. And uh, joining Julie in studio is David Weckeser and Ed Davis, who uh, right now David is only on mic. Um, hello. How you doing? Uh, both of them are from Legends Limited. Uh, Limited. And I, I neglected to look up the full name. <laughs> and I knew there was more words. but um, So I guess that, that kind of um, hints that one of the things we're talking about is that you've signed on with a distributor because yep. that would be the only reason it would make sense for legends to be here with you anyone not listening <laughs> legends is a, a pretty large uh distributor right yes we you are. carry several um really good maryland brands and then some very large national craft brands that's correct um so actually i want to talk about your your bit well actually that's one of your parts of your big news but the sure. rest of your big news other than your huge promotion um but most recently you opened a new little location yeah we did a little, tiny little side project tiny little side Den- project that Zins has going on um last time we talked to you i think it was fairly like far a year no, and a half two years ago or something yeah so maybe yeah, we weren't recording anything when we talked about it. No, we and weren't. The last time we <laughs> talked about it with microphones in front of us, it was still in planning and just right. starting. So yeah, we uh, we just opened our doors. It's our uh, Riverdale Park uh, production house and tap room. Uh, so we opened our doors, I guess, on Memorial Day weekend. So we're just a few months old at this point in terms of being open to the public. Uh, we also have a much larger production facility there. Hence, it's called the production house. Uh, and part of the plan for that was we knew at like about three years ago that we had maxed out on what we could do in terms of production in our original Silver Spring location because we've always distributed. Um, we've been doing it self-distro for about five years now. Um, and we knew that we needed to make more beer, but we also understood, you know, we don't necessarily have the capacity and the capability to distribute all of that beer if we're going to be making that much more. And so... For the last year or so, I spent time just sort of vetting distributors around the state. Um, We've signed with Legends for all of Maryland, except for Montgomery County. We're going to still self-distribute there. But Legends is also carrying us in uh, D.C. as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I I spent a long time, uh, you know, asking folks about different distributors. You know, I asked distributors what they thought about other distributors. I asked retailers what they thought. I asked breweries what they thought. And at the end of the day, it came down to... Legends was absolutely the best choice for us. Are, so we're pretty excited to be signed with them. Are those awkward conversations when you... Like, you can make them uh, awkward. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, cause <laughs> I just picture like, you know, like the, the dating game or something. Where yeah, I mean, you, you start just, asking other suitors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just, yeah, you just sort of talk, talk around and ask people, you know, what do you think about these folks? And 
people had nothing but you know positive and hey. high respect for these guys and so, so you just call up like one of the other streamers like hey i really like you guys but <laughs> legends is looking kind of good what do you think of them <laughs> sort of like that okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was, it was good and uh, i'm we're really psyched to be to be signed with them and they launched our product what like three or four weeks ago i think at this point and uh yeah we're already seeing the difference in terms of getting the velocity out in the street and we're pretty excited about it so are you you're still keeping up the is it going to be the same level of production at the original location um, and adding in the new it's we're still producing in silver spring uh but a majority of our production is in riverdale park uh we're doing all of our core beers that we do year-round over in riverdale because uh, we went from a 15-barrel brew house into 15-barrel fermenters to a 30-barrel brew house into 60-barrel fermenters. Bump. It's a huge bump. But it allows us to really focus on those core beers in Riverdale Park so that we can do more of the sort of seasonal specialty beers over in Silver Spring. And uh, we're now calling that place the Barrel House and Beer Garden Okay. because we're going to be increasing our barrel-aged beers um, over there. Um, are you going to package at uh, Silver Spring also, we, or is the canning line only at canning line is only at Riverdale Park? Yeah. Um, that's where we're putting we're canning all of our beer. However, we ha- we are in conversation internally about potentially buying a bottling line or some sort of small version of a bottling line to potentially package our uh, barrel aged beers, mixed fermentation beers, and whatnot into bottles. But that that's we're in discussion mode right now. So. It seems to be a, um, a growing popular trend, like uh, breweries that. Are, have always been canning or switched to canning Mm -hmm. doing some limited releases and bottles and it's funny it almost like it's kind of flipping things on their head where now a brew if a brewery releases a special bottle release that becomes the sought after special thing where i mean listen we're in a business so my product's (laughs) being sought after i'm not going to complain about that (laughs) we got a pair of bills so you have um actually we'll, we'll Talk about um, keep it funky. Is that the right name? Keep it funky. No, close. Make it funky. Make it funky. Well, I mean, I mean, you could also keep it because you already made it funky. (laughs) So now you can start keeping it funky. This is true. This is true. (laughs) Um, So actually, we'll let um, David talk for a little bit since he's just sitting there quietly, politely. Very polite. It's very polite. so what what was attractive about denizens to add into your portfolio uh, so you know obviously we have a, a very strong uh, local portfolio um and we get calls you know from in-state breweries out-of-state breweries um and when ed said that julie was interested in sitting down i was you know 100 jumped on that um and i think from the original meeting uh you know we knew we wanted to pursue denizens um you know they make great beer uh they obviously have a presence uh in the local scene um, Julie well known so that helps you know when the beer is already known so that helps us get it out you know quickly and get distribution into the market so how often do you refuse a brand uh, on a weekly basis okay so often there's, there's, there's a lot out there and <laughs> that's a, and I would yeah we, I we have an obligation you know to the brands we have in-house right the more we bring in the more that spreads our guys out for selling so we want to yeah do our best and we don't want to bring in a brand and not have focus on them and that's a disservice to that brand so that's kind of our philosophy at legends for sure so what kind of criteria how, how do you evaluate i mean it's i think it's brand? a mix of marketing you know 
what's in the can obviously matters, yeah. but certainly, you know, presence, you know, you know, are you well known? Are people asking for your beer? I mean, that's something that we, we focus on. So you wouldn't want to be like a, a new unknown brewery comes to you, like someone who needs to be built from scratch. I mean, we've built brands from scratch for sure, but it's much tougher in this market, you know, five years ago, six years ago, when you're picking up brands, you're building from the ground up. But nowadays there's so many brands on the market. There's only so many draft lines, so many spots and coolers and shelves. Mm -hmm. So it's, that makes it difficult for us and they're tough decisions. I mean, saying no is extremely hard. Yeah. You know, Um, we'd love to sell everything, but it's just not possible. Well, yeah, because, I mean, at some point, also, stores just simply run out of space. Yeah, I mean, uh, then you have to start, then you would have to start playing favorites with your own clients, and then you have unhappy clients, and that's correct. So, do you, (laughs) is there, like, an upper limit where you see, like, this is, we're capped out at brands, or is that just when you add more people to yeah i mean you can add more people but you can't add more accounts right i think the accounts are there so mm-hmm. i mean it's about you know bringing on new brands and then sometimes you kind of have to end partnerships just because you know say they're far away right and they're just not relevant in this market anymore I and mean, that's where we're becoming more and more local i mean still national brands have a huge presence yeah in our market but you know that's i think becoming smaller and that's just reality so in your during the deciding process of mm-hmm. expanding, Julie, um, was that something you worried about? Because there are there have been several national brands that mm-hmm. had to completely constrict right. their presence at multiple locations, or is it just, like you were so below your potential how much beer you could sell? It wasn't. Uh, no, I, I mean can, I think about this every day for sure. I mean it's it's risky when you start a business it's risky when you expand a business yeah but uh i think that we did it in a way that we tried to be very calculated about it i mean if you look at sort of the data and the trends of how breweries are doing i mean you know dave talked about national craft brands and there is not a brewery i believe that has opened their doors in the last couple years that is going to be able to be a national craft brand i think the days of that are over if you're not already nationally distributed it's not happening. And so when we I would, lo- I would think almost like even re- like like even like East large, Coast, right? Yeah, large exactly. regions is For probably sure. not going to happen anymore. Yeah. And and then we and we thought about that and we took that in con- into consideration we were looking at the expansion. And so what we've set up is we're not even if we're at max capacity, we're never going to be making more than 15,000 barrels a year, even with full production over in Riverdale Park, full production in Silver Spring. I mean, we may be, maybe we'll do 16,000, who knows. But I think that that's really the sweet spot. When you look at the breweries that are like 50,000 and above in terms of barrelage every year. Those, those are the ones that are yeah. struggling to keep the sales to going. Keep, yep, and exactly. And, you, you know, if you think about the amount of debt financing you have to do when you're expanding at that level, I mean, that's, that's a huge risk. And so for us, you know, we did have to debt finance the build out um, because, you know, we're not made, made with money. And, uh, you know, we... we we tried to be responsible about it, and I think we made some good decisions. And so uh, I, I'm comfortable that, you know, with having two tap rooms, retail establishments, people can come in and drink our beer, get to know the brand, and then when they're at home, they can go to their local package store and pick it up. Um, I think that we can definitely, especially with the partnership with Legends, both in Maryland and D.C., really be able to move that product. I don't think it's too much. 
um, but it's definitely more than we had before. We went from 1,500 barrels a year that we've done the last few years in a row to, you know, obviously hopefully get to 15,000 in the next few years. Did your sales skew towards um, distributed product or taproom sales? Um, heavily to one side or the other? Not super heavily. I mean, it, it changes throughout the year, right? So in the slower times for the tap room, the wholesale would be a little bit more and then vice versa. Uh, we're usually, I would say the average throughout the year is we do about 55% of our sales are in our tap room and then 45% are distribution. Now, now that we've signed with Legends and we're moving a lot more product on the street, I think that that is going to invert. Yeah, um, and then that's what I kind of had in my mind that... Yeah just simply adding in because previously you were more or less just in montgomery county like uh, you had a little bit we had a little bit there, here and there you know in frederick yeah. um you know the sponsor of this podcast or his house pub has carried us before um you know a little bit in baltimore um you know a little bit in uh howard county a little bit in annapolis prince george's but mostly montgomery county and then we have a pretty large presence in dc proper as well yeah so Instantly being available, uh, thanks yeah. to Legends, yeah. in a lot more places, it probably helps you. I mean, obviously, oh, that was a big part of your no, business plan. No, it's a huge plan. help. I mean, that's <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> that that instantly makes it easy to grow how much beer you're going to sell. Mm-hmm. Maybe not easy, but easier than if you were just trying to pump more sales through a, just a tap room. Exactly. And, you know, and the retail... The, the retail sort of fight is really, really competitive now, too. You know, there's it's tough out there when you're competing against all the other retailers as well. Yeah. You know, because we're also a full-scale restaurant, so we have a full liquor license. So, you know, we've got bartenders that make cocktails. We have all that plus the full restaurant side. And, you know, obviously we sell our own beer in the tap room. But Do you have any mixologists? No. Like any... Okay. I mean, they might think they are. I don't. It's not their title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perhaps we do. I just, <laughs> I just. I need a cocktail recipe and a pretty picture of the cocktail for okay. the next magazine. So okay. if you're interested, we can talk after. No, we can talk after. <laughs> I'll create a mixologist. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't have to be mixologist. So you just need, like a denizen special cocktail. <laughs> yeah, we we do we do have those. Okay, we do have those. <laughs> so. Was um, the decision to go with the distributor, was that based purely on the need to sell more beer or did the recent changes to franchise law also help with <clears throat> making it an easier decision to go with the distributor? We were going to sign with the distributor no matter what happened with okay. the legislation. Um, I think that the legislation passing has given me a little bit more like uh, a less anxiety about it but at the end of the day like i, I don't have any reason to worry about yeah. my relationship you put with in Leg- so much due exactly. diligence beforehand like, these guys yeah. are great i'm we're really happy about it and i think you know i see nothing but positive about this about our relationship and just the professionalism and i, I gotta tell you you know when you self-distribute in dc in particular it is um it's a pain in the ass. You know, you gotta <laughs> you gotta go into Abra. Uh, you gotta find a parking spot while you're doing that. It's on like 14th and U Street. Um, for those of you who drive into DC, you know what a nightmare that intersection is. I feel like yeah, parking alone would yeah. be the reason why I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, Just you're like, paying five had... bucks for every account that you're selling to that day, plus the excise taxes. Yeah. You gotta 
you're doing the hand selling, you're doing the deliveries, you're doing all that. And I have to tell you that the first week that these guys <laughs> took over distribution in D.C., that was it was an amazing feeling. I was like, oh, my God. Did your blood pressure drop yeah. down a few points? It's like, this is awesome. We don't have to deal with this crap anymore. <laughs> this is fantastic. That alone made the relationship worth it. Um, I have an irrational amount of anxiety about parking anytime I go someplace. Uh, anywhere? Well, anywhere that I don't know. No. Like, yeah. Like, like even I in the suburbs? Yeah. Like, coming to work every day. I wear, I'm like, am I going to get a good park? No. You have a massive <laughs> parking lot out there. That sometimes the spot I like is taken. Get a cone, man. I'll just tell you. We, I'm from Pittsburgh. We use chairs. <laughs> um, no, but, like, if I'm going someplace that I don't <clears throat> know and it's in a city or someplace mm-hmm. that I think might not have ample parking. Like, you stress out about uh, it. Yeah, it, like irrational amount of stress Try about it. Try doing it when you're driving a 16-foot box truck. I wouldn't. Just <laughs> circling the block <laughs> over exactly. and over and over again. You're like, damn, that car just took my spot. Exactly. I, w- I would distribute in like a smart car with a box on the roof. <laughs> it's going to be pretty inefficient, man. <laughs> I It would it'd be worth it for the, le- the less amount of anxiety. <laughs> You just build in the, the parking ticket that you're yeah, going to get. The cost just, of the you beer. just build that into the cost of the beer and then you're good to go. Not going to lie. I definitely did that before. <laughs> not, not into the price of the beer. But like in my own like budget, Factory. I was like, well, yeah. we're going to get this number of it was tickets. Just a, it was just a new line item exactly. in, in QuickBooks or whatever she is. Like pro- projecting out yep. parking tickets. <laughs> and if it gets bad enough, boot removal fee. <laughs> oh, no. You got to pay the tickets, man. <laughs> So have have you seen any sort of difference with um, breweries pursuing you or I mean, basically just any kind of difference with the law changes or has it been just uh, not necessarily? I mean, uh, yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> it hasn't changed a ton. I mean, obviously, like Julie said, she feels a little bit more comfortable with it. But yeah. on our side, we haven't really seen any changes. Um, again, we have great relationships, I think, with our partners. So, you know, we just continue to go about our business on a day-to-day basis. So no one's coming. You'd be like, hey, it'd be easier for me to break up with you. Can I? Do you want to get together now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I actually ask Dave a question? Uh, I'll allow it. Thank you. <laughs> what, do you. What would you say to breweries out there, like sort of advice? Like if you're looking to sign with a distributor, like what is it you're looking for for them to sort of prepare to enter a relationship like that like i said just i think the biggest thing right now is marketing um mm-hmm. you know i think there's some small small breweries out there now that are doing a great job getting their name out there and people are excited to try their beer so mm-hmm. that kind of gets me excited okay um it's a little far away from the microphone um <laughs> see how much better you sound that yeah, is a little bit better a little bit better <laughs> um but yeah i think again right now marketing and getting your name out there social media is huge for sure uh, when it comes to brewers, you know, building their name. So the um, social media that uh, for you, Julie, that mm-hmm. is some place where people go on the internet to interact <laughs> with each other. I just said I'm not a fan of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I do understand Instagram and I do understand Twitter. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. wanted to make sure. I feel like Instagram <laughs> is the like the biggest tool these days, bigger yeah. than than even Facebook and and Twitter. I would think so. Yeah. It's just it, pictures were worth a thousand words, right? So I think. Yeah. Um, and it, it, and I think it's just become the way the, that the way breweries use Instagram. I mean, there are some breweries like some of the ones that live off of, 
um, can releases mm -hmm. on premise that all the information about them's on Instagram. It's not anywhere else. Like if you're not following them on Instagram, you, you don't, don't know. know about it, yeah, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. And you can try leaving a comment or a question or a message on Facebook, and you're never going to get an answer. But on Instagram, like it's almost instant. Right. <laughs> it's because it's right in the name. <laughs> <laughs> um. So actually, another question I have in the brewery distributor relationship. What all does a distributor bring to the relationship? Um, so obviously the account network is huge. I mean, I talked to yeah. Julie how many accounts they had prior to Legends. You know, we have a three to four thousand, you know, account. We had nowhere well, close to that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and and you know, so like so, so for, when you walk into, we'll just say that like in Frederick District East, yep. you have a relationship with them already. Exactly. You're already selling them other brands. Yep. It's going to be easier for you to say, hey, I have Denizens now. Would yep. you like to try that? Whereas if Julie just shows up and is like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm a, I'm a brewer. Here's here's my beer. You want to sell it? Exactly. I mean, hopefully I, your pitch would be better than yeah. that. But <laughs> yeah, our rep, Colleen, obviously has a great relationship you know, with that account, you know, using District East as an example. So, yeah, she walks in and talks about the beer. They already know her where. Julie may walk in and they don't know her right away. Mm -hmm. You know, you can build that relationship. Right. And that, I guess that's my next point. I mean, relationships, I think is the biggest selling point in this industry. Uh, relationships with your accounts. That's why they purchase beer. I think next would be the quality of the product and the look of the packaging. But number one, certainly relationships. So the first big thing you bring is that foot in the door mm -hmm. of having people that trust you your opinion of the products um what what else do you um you know so julie could deliver to an account right down the street from the brewery right so you're like man that's really close why couldn't i just do that you know that's it's cheap for a distributor to do that, but we also deliver to Ocean City. We yeah. deliver to Western Maryland. You know, we mm -hmm. deliver to D.C. So we're going all over you the place. You pay the so. parking tickets. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> it might not cost us much to deliver right down the street, but, it, you know, that, that cost goes up as you go yeah, to exactly. the farther parts of the state. Yeah, where one account out in Hagerstown is not financially feasible for mm -mm. Julie to deliver to, but because you're already going there <clears throat> yep. with all of your other brands, that it's a tiny incremental cost exactly. to deliver yeah. it there. Yep. And, that, and that's huge for us, too. I mean, I've definitely had accounts that we've walked into, and they're like, yep, I like your beer. It's cool. I want to take you on, but I really don't want to have another vendor to deal with, you know? so. Yeah. And I understand that as a business owner myself, you know, we buy thousands and thousands of dollars worth of products from a multitude of vendors up and down the industry. And having one more vendor add on, like one more account form that I have to fill out, one more credit application I have to fill out, like I don't necessarily want to deal with all of that. So I understand it when there is a, you know, a, a retailer who's like, yeah, just talk to me once you sign with the distributor. You know, they'd rather talk to two to three distributors for their portfolio than 25 different self-distributing breweries. Like, yeah. I totally get that from an efficiency perspective. So we've, you know, we're definitely going to be able to get our foot in the door and our product in the door to places that never would have really even talked to us before. Um, so that's that's another reason why I'm excited about this. And that's what distributors bring to to the relationship. Yeah, cool. I think it's more feet on the street if you look at, at Julie's yeah. team prior to coming with Legends. You know, she had herself, uh, Jackson, and Ben 
their two reps, and now we have 22 sales reps, four managers that covered D.C., Baltimore, Western Maryland, Eastern Shore, a brand manager to kind of help. You know, <laughs> we were all down at the brewery uh, on Friday for, for an all-meeting, all-team meeting, so that was cool to get the team down there, mm-hmm. try some beers, and, you know, we're all going to work together as a partnership. Yeah, I even know from talking to some of the smaller breweries throughout the state that I really like, like trying to convince them to send beer to Roast House Pub. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, we would love to. We love Roast House Pub, but I really don't want to drive all the way to Frederick to drop off a keg. They'd be paying and, them basically yeah, to, and then, to do that. And then have to drive back out just to pick up one keg. I'm like, oh, I guess that's a valid complaint. No, I mean, it's, it's an absolute... <laughs> You know, we've had to say no to some places that wanted to bring us on because they were like, I'm going to start with one case. I'm like, well, <laughs> you're not going to get my beer then because like, yeah. I, I have I'm paying someone to bring that beer to you. You know, I'm paying taxes on that beer. I need to have minimums. And so when you're self-distributing, you know, our minimums for self-distro are, you know, two six or five cases. Right. And if you're a bar that doesn't have a bunch of tap lines, you don't necessarily need two six Right. You don't if you're a package store. You don't necessarily want to just get, you don't want to get five cases. You just want to get one of, you know, a couple of brands. And when a distributor is sending it to you, you're getting one of a bunch of different brands, but you're probably getting like 20 or more cases because there's a variety that they can choose from. When you're just the one brewery representing your one brand, retailers have trouble sometimes hitting the minimums that you need to have in order to be a successful business. So if if someplace orders just one sixth of a beer from Denizens, that Legends has no problem with just delivering that one sixth. Correct. I mean, we have our own minimums, but okay. we have well, certainly yeah, draft beer. We want to take care of permanent lines, stuff like that. We don't want yeah. those to run dry because that wouldn't be fair to yeah. the restaurant, right? You know, they have loyal customers that come in, expect to drink a certain beer, and if it's out on that Saturday, they have to choose something else. Yeah, but you're also probably like if someone's like, let me get one six old denizens. They're also probably ordering other beers from other breweries. Potentially, um, there's certainly accounts that order will order just one six old. Oh so. wow! And well, well, thank you for yes. We'll deliver that. You know, our cases are a little different. Uh, yeah. You know, we have a, a higher minimum on that, but you know, that's just because we it has to be cost effective for us yeah. to deliver to account as well. But for all, I I assume to you it also averages out a little bit more because if you were driving out to just the one place that ordered one, you're also stopping at yes. a bunch of places Correct. nearby that maybe buying one of your other exactly large brands that you guys represent. Yep. All right, we're going to take a real quick break to um, thank our sponsors, um, and then actually I still have a few more questions about distributing, um, and then. Uh, we can talk about make it funky, even though you should probably rename it to keep it funky. Hey, listen, we have so the trademark for make it funky, so I'm not uh, changing okay. the name. Well, yeah, if you paid for that, yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll be back in a minute. All right. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. District East is located on the 800 block of East Street, next to Rockwell Brewing Company and Family Meal. Choosing from their large selection of craft beer, you can create a custom six-pack suited to your taste. 
With tastings every Friday night and Saturday afternoon, Crowler and Growler fills available and kegs to go, it's a beer drinker's paradise. Their knowledgeable and helpful staff will help guide you to the perfect beer or wine for any occasion. They have been selected by many breweries to host limited and exclusive beer releases, which made them the obvious choice to feature my collaboration beers. Stop in and see them for yourself. All right, so we kicked David out. Not completely out. He's so don't talk about him. He's <laughs> sitting in the corner. <laughs> um, we're now joined by Ed Davis. How you doing? You know what? I didn't. What is your title? Because I don't think I'm I your title. area sales manager. Okay. And David's title was brand manager. Brand manager. Um, so we left off talking about some of the benefits that uh, Legends brings to the um, relationship. And it, whenever I go into a bar and when they're having promotions and stuff, the posters that are hanging there for it, is is that what you you make? Do, does does Legends make those? Or yeah, is, we have a um, uh, in-house uh, sign department. Uh, we have one of the best guys in the business. Uh, it's been with us what, about two years now. Two three years, he is absolutely amazing. So that's a, I mean, that's probably a big help too, because that mm-hmm. takes the pressure of you from having to design posters and, uh, and also. Yeah, I remember going to this like, we did this dual event. This is I think in the first year that we were open, where it was at this bar in Bethesda, and we were there. They had like a tap mini tap takeover. I think they had like three or four of our kegs on. And we were there to just sort of like pass out, you know, swag to some of the customers, just interact with the customers. But it was a dual event with Jameson. And so you can just imagine the amount of money Jameson <laughs> has. And so yeah, they're I've in heard there. Of them before. Yeah, That's they're in there like buying shots for customers. <laughs> They've got these like super hot women walking around carrying trays and giving shots to people and, you know, talking about the whiskey. And, uh, you know, I'm in there, me walking around like hey, hey do you I want have, a sticker have, like it was <laughs> it was really i you know it, because we didn't have the money or sort of like the in-house team to help yeah. sort of support that right and sort of like interacting more with customers and being able to i don't know get our product out there more another example of where um i'm personally very excited to be working with legends with the support of like just the promotional materials the pos materials and the posters and all of that is we did an event for an accountant in D.C. once that was a was like a tap takeover featuring some local breweries. And the distributor that represented the four other breweries that were doing this event that we were a part of created the poster and, of course, did not put Denizen's logo on it, didn't say anything about Denizen's being a part of it. So we completely missed that opportunity yeah. to be able to to be you know really promoted in that event and I, I think about that a lot in terms of really what the limitations are when you are self-distributing in terms of what you can do because legends has an awesome portfolio of other brands other than denizens obviously and to be able to be a part of events that they're doing with them is is huge for us as an opportunity so is that something that legends will go <clears throat> to accounts and organize yourselves like to do a tap takeover with brands that legends represents yeah the sales reps that are on the the street every day they'll organize those with the uh with the accounts okay i know i guess i never thought of that there would be like distributor tap takeovers as opposed to just like whenever there's a Mm -hmm. a for the most solo brewery one that 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 a distributor helps you with that too because like you're not going to be able to call up a bunch of other breweries and organize like a big event around something like that for the most part it's going to be you know 
just one one specific brand on a ta- takeover. But yeah, there's been times where we do multi brewery events, of course. Yeah, you just we just got the hookup from you guys over at Max's Tap House in Baltimore, the IPA Fest. They weren't going to talk to yeah. us about having our any like hoppy beers from us on there, and we were on that list because we're with Legends now. So that that's just another example of how it's helpful. Um, and I, I would I would guess it's a little less important um, for super local brands, but like for some of the national ones that you represent, or maybe ones that are a little bit further away. Like if there's an event taking place in Baltimore and no one from Denizens can make it, like you serve as a representative oh, for that that yeah. brewery on site to all the time. We're pretending to be from Colorado or from California. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess then, um, you mentioned IPAs. Um, there, so I want to talk. I don't think we've ever talked, and maybe we did the very first time you were on forever ago, but we have roughly 10,000 more listeners than then because you were kind enough to come on when we had barely anyone listening to this. It's all good. Um, when the your philosophy behind the beers that you make mm-hmm. um do you mainly just want to stick to classic styles and because you denison's really doesn't do any of the trendy um hype styles that because what are you trying to say um that this lager is really good <laughs> i'm teasing you man <laughs> No, you're right. We don't really do that. Um, and I'm assuming you're referring to sort of like the triple dry hopped, yeah, hazy. Fruited sour, like fruited kettle sours because <coughs> you do, you make it funky. So you do have fruited yeah, no, sours. We do, and we do um, since the very beginning, we've been making mixed fermentation barrel aged sours and wild beers. Uh, we have a huge portfolio of those. They're mostly just sold in the tap room. Um, we do sell some of those kegs through distribution. But rarely, it's really kind of like if an account really wants that beer, we'll sell it to them. But we're not like out on the street hand selling or pushing people to buy that beer. Um, yeah, I mean, we have done fruited sours. Like we have a, a seasonal that we do every year in the summer called Georgia Avenue, which is a peach uh, Berliner Weiss. Uh, we also do a lime Goza, uh, which is another example, of sort of a fruited sour. Uh, but yeah, no, we don't do the can releases. We're not, you know, we're not the Instagram, come look at this, you know, beer that's super hazy on here. That's just not who we are as a brand. But I will tell you that if you go into our tap room, we've got regular customers that come like almost every single day of the week. We have a, a large customer base. And also, I mean, if you're looking at what people are drinking nationally, over 80% of people when they're going to drink a beer, they're drinking a premium lager. You know, well, and yeah, I mean, I think it that's that's something that gets a lot that gets lost a lot by mm-hmm. your super uh, into craft beer, craft beer culture people that mm-hmm. um, that there is a lot more clear beer sold. Yeah, that even excluding the humongous macro breweries, sure. Yeah, all of the craft breweries. There's a lot more clear beer sold than hazy. Uh, all the right. trendy stuff. You and we also have to remember it's hard when you're on social media and you're kind of in that bubble and you're seeing like, oh, this post is getting all these likes, or you know, if you're on Twitter, all these retweets. Only like two percent of the population in the world is on Twitter, right? <laughs> you think about sort of like 
what are the regular everyday folks that what are their and, and I'm on Twitter. Don't don't get me wrong. Like I like to be on there and see what's going on and follow the trends and whatnot. But um, you know, our our PGC premium logger right here that we just released in cans. Um, I'm pretty excited about this and it's it's doing really well. And there's the people who drink it like it. And if you pour it into a glass, it's going to be clear. It's not going to be hazy. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's 4.1 percent and uh, it's locally made right here in Maryland and. I'd put this up against anybody drinking, you know, if someone likes Budweiser that they like to drink every day, I'd challenge them to try this beer and uh, support the local economy and still drink the same style of beer that they like. Well, it's kind of like, I like how um, <clears throat> Duclaw came mm-hmm. out with their one lager recently. Was it regular and, yeah, beer? Yeah, just it was like basically like an... I'm so and, jealous of that name. Yeah, no, it's so smart. And, and the, the packaging is br- the packaging brilliant, it's brilliant. too. It's, it's just brilliant. a white can yeah. with regular beer and black. So and, smart. So smart. You know, hat tip to those guys. Yeah. That's really really good idea. But I do you see a as a brewery that focuses on classic mm-hmm. styles in air quotes uh, a mar- a resurgence of people wanting um lagers and lighter beers more because there seem to be a lot of craft brands and even national brands that are putting a lot of focus into pilsners Mm -hmm. and just lagers and generals lately yeah i mean lately i will say that our born bohemian pilsner which is one of our core flagship beers that we make year-round um, that was one of the first beers we put out, and since day one of opening in Silver Spring over five years ago, that's been one of our top sellers in the tap room. Um, Southside Rye IPA, which is our core IPA, number one seller, but I, you know, IPAs are always going to be the number one seller, at least yeah. where things are now, whether your IPA is hazy or not. Yeah. Um, but Pilsner has been number two, and so, and that's not just true for the tap room, but also in terms of distribution. So. I think for a while now, um, you know, loggers have been very popular. And I, I think that what retailers really appreciate, and Ed, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, is they want beers that are consistent. They want beers that are going to taste the same every time somebody buys them. They want beers that are always going to be in stock, that are readily available. And that is, um, you know, one of the reasons we built the Riverdale Park Production House was that. A, we were able to increase our lab and quality control and quality assurance capabilities because we were able to actually build a lab from scratch in that building um, to make it even better from the work we were doing before. Uh, and we can do a lot larger quantities of it. So we're working on and you know continuing to always improve our quality insur- assurance and quality control and then also making sure we have it available all the time. So I don't know. It, do you feel like pilsners and lagers have been popular? Or? Oh, absolutely. Um, even I think as people, as their 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 craft beer drinking experience expands, they tend to go back to something that's more approachable, easier to drink, that's not going to put them on their butt after two or three, you know? Well, even, so one of your, man, do I hope I'm right about this. One of your other brands, <laughs> Stone. We have them in uh, Frederick and uh, Washington County yes. and D.C. Um, <laughs> he, that they, would have been awkward. Yeah, it really yeah. would have been. Like, I, <laughs> But I was already down that road. <laughs> um, they've put a big push on loggers recently. Mm. They have the Metallica Pilsner, yeah. the Tropic Thunder, which was a great beer. Yeah. Um, so it, it seems like even national brands mm-hmm. are – kind of refocusing on and so 
and maybe you have insight to this too, a large national brand, do you th- see that as a focus because it's a more shelf-stable beer where hmm. it if you're heavy into dis- distribution, you're kind of taking a risk if you're putting the, the hyped beers on the shelf because you have to worry like – it first is legend keep is legends keeping it cold when you deliver it to the store are they putting it on a shelf in in front of a door where it's getting heat constantly yeah. or are they keeping it cold um do you think that's part of the a, a new focus on that or just that that's an over like an a larger trend in general. I just think they see that the you know the the, the most popular styles are the lighter loggers. You know, so why not go after that? Um, on premise wise, you see it more in, in more independent places where they want to have a, a craft pilsner or a craft lager on there. That, that we see a lot more success in those sort of places as opposed to the chains where you're competing against Budweiser, Miller Lite, and all mm-hmm. those. Um, but definitely, uh, there's a place for it, and I think the, the breweries are seeing that. Oh, I guess that too. That makes sense from a standpoint of trying to chip away at the macro brands mm-hmm. and the Murica type beer drinker. <laughs> that if you have a a beer that is just a high quality version of what they're used to drinking, mm-hmm. like something with an actual flavor, and that you're much more likely to get that. Um, market segments with mm-hmm. with a beer with a toad on it. Is that a toad or a frog? It's a frog. Sorry. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know how to tell the difference. <laughs> how do you tell the difference between a toad and a frog? Because or do you only know because you Prince talk to George's the artist? It's premium lager, basically. And, you know, it's a prince, so you kiss the frog, it turns into a prince. It's all sort of... Wow. It's the whole story behind makes it. makes total sense. <laughs> 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 now, now you have a story to tell. <laughs> Okay, good, because that was going to be my next question. Why do you have a frog on the, Yeah, because this, so when we yeah. opened in Silver Spring, our first beer we made, actually this is, I did not plan this, but this is convenient. Southside Rye IPA. So Southside, thank you. This is uh, named after the fact that we were based in South Silver Spring. So we're giving a, you know, a hat tip to our hometown. Um, and then the first beer we made in Riverdale Park was the PGC Premium Lager. Okay. So we wanted to sort of name something as a hat tip to our new location. Um, we picked the we picked the frog, because um, frogs sometimes turn into princes, and in the back it says, you know, all of our cans have this sort of thematic thing where it's like hometown, homegrown for Southside, and then here it's always the same, always premium. And that's actually a reference to the Prince George's County flag. They have a, a Latin saying that translates to always the same, always premium. And that's why we have it on there, and it, it worked out because it's a it's a premium locker. I mean, that's literally the style of the beer. Okay. Um, so that's why we, we named it that, and that's why the the marketing on the can is like that. I like your cans because they're <clears throat> like they're understated, but eye catching. Like the yeah, these the are all hand they're all hand drawn illustrations that oh, are cool. converted to digital files. Yep. Is it the same artist for all of your cans, or uh, just your? This can actually the the PGC Premium is the one can that we used a new artist. Okay, um, she's fantastic. Though we'll probably continue working with her for any new cans that we put out. Yeah. Um, so you will not be coming out with a hazy IPA or a pastry stout or. Um. Probably not. Uh. Maybe. I mean. I, 
If you asked me this question two years ago, I would have adamantly been like, absolutely not. We're not going to do anything like that. I'm I'm trying to be more open-minded and uh, more understanding of the, the market. And, you know, consumers also have a huge vote in terms of what yeah. you make. <laughs> if you're making beer that you love but no one's buying it. Yeah. You're not going to be making yeah, it too much longer. You're not going to be making it too much longer. Exactly. Right? And I think that two pe- people do enjoy hazy IPAs. You know, I enjoy them. You know, yeah. I've, I've had them and I, and I like them. I don't like to drink them every day, but I do enjoy them every once in a while. And, um, you know, we do make some other brands that are on the juicier side, so to speak. Uh, we have an IPA called Animal that um, uh, we're actually releasing a fresh batch next week. You guys should know that. Um, and then our, <laughs> Heads uh, up, guys. We have, a, we have an American Pale Ale called Train Spotting that's also on the juicier side as well. Um, so the, we're, we're doing a little bit of that, but I don't necessarily know if I would say they're like the hazy, yeah, the way people think about it. Um, what are your thoughts on hard <clears throat> seltzers? Um, we've tested them out. Um, we've tried a couple of batches. We did like a just straight up seltzer with no flavoring. We did one with pineapple. We did not tap them in the tap room. We didn't package them. We just sort of wanted to try it once and see what happened. Um, I was a fan of the pineapple flavored one that we put together. It Sounds was good. Not a fan of the the plain one <laughs> that we did. <laughs> um, but you know, we, we before we would release something like that to the public, it's something we're thinking about doing, and obviously, I've already tried, and we're probably going to release at some point. Um, probably started out with just having it in kegs in the tap room just to yeah. see what you know how the market responds to it and customers respond to it and then if it does well consider packaging it but again that's another thing we're partners with legends so i would want to have a conversation with them beforehand to be like hey do you think this makes sense for us to package this before we'd like create it and we're like hey can you guys take all this seltzer and yeah. go sell it for me you know you need to have those conversations ahead of time oh, that's it i guess so that's probably <clears throat> another benefit to having a distributor mm-hmm. you have someone who does market research for you yeah <laughs> at I a much larger scale yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a lot of data um so there, there, there's some big uh, hard seltzers hitting the market soon. Uh, For Loco is making one. I it's heard like, Attaboy's making one too. Yeah, so that'll be the biggest one. Yeah. Um, they <laughs> foolishly bet um, their the woman who kind of runs their tap room <clears throat> and I that we wouldn't be able to get a certain amount of likes on a photo I posted on Instagram. Mm. Um, anyone listening or watching the video, Graham not Instagram, but the gram is going to have that on the screen. So if you want to go to my Instagram account and just pile on and add some more likes <laughs> to show them that they really <laughs> did lose. Um, that's the one you look for. Uh, just search for uncapped Chris. You'll find me. Um, so we're going to make a hard seltzer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, do you think we should put fruit in it? Obviously from your trial, fruit is the way to go. Yes. You need to have some flavor in it. Trust me. <laughs> just put some flavoring in it you should do that so from my extensive research though it, so do you have a, a reverse osmosis filter or do uh, you just use how to no i mean we treat all of our water okay. before we before we put it in any type of product um we have a de filter for, for the end of fermentation in our silver spring location although we're kind of actually moving away from it uh, we're not using it as much as we used to, and we're actually considering just getting rid of it entirely. And just and, and part of that is because we now have the Riverdale Park location, um, and we have Legends that's helping us sort of move beer um, at a much you know quicker velocity. 
the the tank time in Silver Spring can actually be increased. So we don't have you, we would use the filter before on like our pilsners, any of our loggers, any of our <clears throat> you know light colored Belgians and stuff. We would filter those to be able to decrease some of the tank time that we had. Okay. Uh, but we don't have to do that anymore. And uh, longer tank time is always better for any type of product. So how how did you flavor it with pineapple? Uh, I believe Jeff put p- uh, pineapple puree in it. So how do you make, then do you just filter it clear or was it not clear? It wasn't clear. Oh, okay. It wasn't clear. Actually, I don't even know. Are, does Legends represent anyone that sells hard seltzer? Yep. Yeah. Are the are the flavored ones clear? I don't think I've ever uh, had a hard. Most of them are, are clear. We have some so they're that probably are, that using are, just like a color. flavoring or something, right? Or I don't know the the specifics on the magic that they. I do. would think right. Would would they have to? Because you wouldn't be able to filter out. The I don't color, know. Right. I feel like you're starting to ask questions that are outside of my wheelhouse. Remember, I'm the chief brand officer, not the chief brewing officer. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I can get I'm Jeff just, to come onto the show and talk to you about all this stuff if you'd like. Okay, we can, cause it, but it would need to be soon because we're making – although Brian knows what he's doing. I don't need to go in and shit. Like, Brian, this is how you have to make hard seltzer. You should, actually have, like you should actually have Brian on the show after he's made the hard seltzer and you can talk to everyone about how he did it. We could. Brian, don't hate he, me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of debate on whether he hates me or not. It's it's up in the air. You can't uh, – observing um, interactions, it leans towards hate, but – he says he's still on the fence. Um, <laughs> but now that it's definitely recorded, I feel like they have to make it at this point. So everyone should look out for an Attaboy Hard Seltzer. I'll come out for the release. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit more about Make It Funky. Because okay. that is coming up. Hopefully we release this episode before that comes. That's like not till the end of September, right? Yeah, September 28th. Oh, yeah, we're safe. Um <clears throat> Tell people about Make It Funky. Sure. So this will be our fifth year doing it. Um, And we actually made the decision this year that we're actually going to cut back on it a little bit. I mean, I think in this day and age, a lot of people are trending towards make things bigger and larger and all of those things. And and we basically did that for the last four years. So every year we would add more breweries and add more tickets and add all these things. And this year we decided we're just focusing on breweries that are in uh, based in Maryland, D.C. and Virginia. Um, so we're cutting back on um, the beers that we're going to be having there. Uh, but it's going to be a much more intimate experience. Um, and so brewers are going to have a lot more time to talk to folks when they're there. Festival goers will have a lot more time to talk to the brewers. And there's not going to be any lines anywhere. Um, they Normally there weren't lines anyway because we would spread it out throughout yeah. the whole brewery. But uh, if you're interested in uh, checking it out, if you like mixed fermentation, sour beers, Definitely go to this festival because you got a wide variety of beers to choose from. Who are there. some of the breweries that'll be there? <clears throat> uh, let's see. This year we've got uh, Sapwood Cellars is coming back. Uh, they were there I last hear year. They know a little bit about sours. They do <laughs> know a little bit about about sours. It, it it's awesome though because this, it's actually it falls on their first anniversary. Oh, cool! So last year when they came, it was literally the day they were opening their tap room, and they still came to make it funky. Wow! They're, yeah, they're doing it again That's this year, nice. uh, which is cool. Um, you know, Union, who also works with Legends, them, will be there. We're going to have um, Sapwood on again soon. Because nice. they're going to be releasing their first bottled That's um, great. mixed fermentation beer. Yeah, that should be a good conversation. Um, those guys are really, really nice yeah. people. And Scott just released his IPA book. Yep. So now they have saw that. people who wrote the book on sours and on, on IPAs. IPAs. So yeah. 
Yeah, no, they they definitely know what they're doing. Um, Union makes amazing sours. They do make amazing sours. I mean, I actually think that Union, um, it's one of the things that also attracted us to Legends is that they do carry Union. And it's, you know, you want to kind of be associated with some of the brands that they're carrying at the same time. I think they've really, I mean, you tell me, Ed, but it seems like they're... um, you know their their kettle sours they put out has really just sort of changed the game as to who's drinking sour beers in the state of Maryland. I think we're all very excited that uh, Old Pro is year round now. Yeah, it's huge. Such a good beer. Uh, it is a really good beer. Yeah. I miss Tea Time, <laughs> but I don't know if I ever tried Tea Time. That's so good. It's ba- it's like old. I think it's just Old Pro with tea botanicals added, and then they had huh. different fruit ones. There's like a, there was a peach one, um, a tangerine raspberry lemon i think it was the two they're really good yeah no i guess no they actually they had the tangerine at make it funky last year if i remember correctly they had a couple varieties of old pro and then they have the older pro which is also amazing they make very good beer (laughs) but yeah union will be back um but yeah check out our website denizensbrewingco.com you can buy tickets there check out the festival details if you search for the proper name, make it funky, you're make it much funky. more likely, you're much to, more find likely to find it. I thought it was keep it funky. And that's what, I don't know what you'll find if you look for that. Um, so I'll just advise against it. Yeah. It's make it funky. Yeah, it's make it funky. So you have two brewmasters now, right? Or is one brewmaster and then a head brewer? Because you, you, you hired a new, yeah. the, the new location has its own dedicated brewer and you have Jeff still at Silver Spring? Is no, that Jeff, or? Jeff is actually all over the place. Oh, okay. So he got a promotion too. Oh, so congratulations a, to Jeff also. <laughs> he's now chief beer officer. Uh, so he's overseeing kind of both locations. You've got Dave Vogelpohl, who is the head brewer in Silver Spring. Okay. And he works with uh, Lily Schultz, who's his uh, assistant brewer. Um, and then you've got over in um, Riverdale Park, you've got uh, Ryan, who actually used to be the head brewer at Jailbreak. Jailbreak. Yep, so he's with us now. You've got Tim, who came over to us from Three Stars, and he's our um, a packaging manager and lab uh, manager as well. He's actually a scientist, which is pretty cool to have him on the team. And then you got Chris Sarusco, who's also a brewer over there. So is there any overlap in what's brewed in both locations? or Silver Spring is brewing their own Southside and Pilsner born bohemian for their own tap room so that we have more for distribution we're not dipping into it how um how hard has that been to make sure that it tastes the same in both locations uh somewhat difficult i mean anytime you're using a new brewing system it's manufacturing equipment there are slight things that you're gonna have to tweak um, I think that they've got it, you know, stabilized at this point. They do testing at every level. You know, we hold back some product and just test it, you know, 30 days in, 60 days in, 90 days in, et cetera. And um, they're working on it. I mean, we're never going to be perfect, although we always strive to be perfect. Um, but I, I think they're doing a pretty damn good job. So you had, you had um, referenced earlier wh- one of the great things about the new place was you building a lab out. Mm-hmm. Like from scratch, you were able to build a lab. Mm-hmm. Do you find that's going to be one of the big differentiators as there are so many more craft beers, craft breweries <clears throat> that quality is going to like, obviously it's always been important, mm-hmm. but do you see that being going to be one of the differentiators between and yeah. one of the most important? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely important. You know, I, I'm out on the streets 
looking at you know what what's on the floor stacks of floors um in package stores a lot and i'll see these you know stacks of these like uh you know new england style ipas that are sitting warm stored right there on the on the ground in a package store and i'm just thinking to myself that's, that's not going to taste good. Yeah, like you just <laughs> sent, you know, you probably made a big sale. You you sold them, you know, 15, 20 cases of that brand. But, you know, when the end consumer gets to it and you haven't done all the work behind it to make it shelf stable, um, and obviously, like, you should also be storing New England style IPAs cold, not warm on the floor. Yeah. Um, you got to think about those things because, you know, at this day and age, there's so much choice for folks that, you know, they have one bad experience with your beer. They may not ever come back to your product ever again. Or if they do, they'll wait two to three years, right? So that that's not good for your brand. Um, I think having the lab is huge for us. You know, we always did lab work before. We just didn't have a dedicated space for the equipment. So we'd have to like pull it out every time. And now we just have like a fully dedicated room to it. And that's I think breweries that are not doing lab work um, need to really think about doing it. If you're not checking your DO and your packaging, like that, that's a problem. If you have money to send people to CBC every year, you damn well better have at least a microscope and a DO reader. So if you can't, you know, you got to think about these priorities for like what you're doing as a company. Is that one of the things that attracted you guys to Denizens that they're putting oh, so much investment into expanding their quality assurance when we first started talking to julie seeing the new facility and she was saying this is where our lab's going to be like knowing that that's there having a consistent product on the shelf is huge um absolutely i mean that's that's there's the, the you know piggybacking on what julie said there's so many options out there now you know six or seven years ago for the most part you walked in you bought a craft beer you knew it was going to be good now you really have to be you know <laughs> you have to know what you're looking for because it could be it could be a crapshoot so is that um as you're going around to your accounts throughout the state is that one of the things that you're doing if you go in and um well you don't have one because you you're just telling us how bad they are i'm kidding you did not say hey i didn't say that i I enjoy them (laughs) if so if you if you go into a store and you see uh, one of unions hazy ipa stacked up on the floor that's gotta be cold so that like you you're also that front line of defense to make sure that your brands are being taken cared for at the at a store absolutely so how how's that battle play out though because i guessing everyone else is also trying to say that also although i would think why like as a store why would you want to do that too because it's only so much space you have you know cold storage is expensive i wonder if that that, that's probably all maybe also playing into the going back to more shelf stable Mm -hmm. beers is the the problem of how do you just if you can't if you can't sell everything through your tap room it's dangerous to send it out into which is again why i was saying if you if we had built out a brewery to hit like fifty thousand barrels a year i'd be waking up in panic sweats every night like holy shit how am i going to move all of this beer oh guess we should open up territory in new jersey or new york or massachusetts or florida when it's like no one's going to buy denizens in new york like why would they do that they have (laughs) all and and not to say like obviously i love my beer i love my brand and i want to advocate for us all the time i think what we put out is fantastic but I also am like a realist. You yeah, know, the, if I'm in New York City, why would I buy a beer that was made in Silver Spring, Riverdale Park, Maryland, when I can buy beers that were made, you know, just around the corner from me in New York? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, where the every, market is. I mean, the trend is definitely local <clears throat> to hyper-local. So yep. I, 
people are definitely more likely to if so it in in your sales of different brands do does there seem to be a mile difference from from a brewery to what sells well for the local smaller less established brands can you repeat that up yeah that was a really yeah. awkward so yeah. <laughs> um, i wasn't following that at all so w- with people being so locally focused or hyper local okay so if you have you have denizens in silver spring is there a mile distance where you reach where sales start to fall off because they're into a new hemisphere of a, a different local brewery yeah. uh you know speaking a little about union uh union it, you know absolutely destroys in the city and as you get further out you know it, that's one of the things that we're focusing on is creating it as a, a maryland mm-hmm. uh beer out past carroll county mm-hmm. you know um you definitely see stuff so you know getting to flying dog country obviously uh, but changing that perception, and that's, that comes with doing tastings, doing tap takeovers, and, mm-hmm. you know, getting the beer in people's hands and having them drink it and, and realizing that, oh, this is a local beer. This is brewed fresh. This was brewed a week ago, you know, and uh, and change that perception of a Baltimore beer to a Maryland beer. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you were to plot it out on a map, like, it, where the density of a color, it, as you draw that circle out further, would it be, like, a gradient to, yes. like, yeah. as it just mm-hmm. kind of fades off as it you get further from the brewery? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's been our experience, too, even just through the, the small amount of self-distro that we do. No, that's a conversation yeah. with Julia. We needed to have them in PG and Anne Arundel and Howard yeah. County. That was super important to us because that's yeah. going to be where we're going to make all the money. Yeah. Um, did we, I think we've covered all of your big announcements. Did Emily get a promotion? She did. Okay, good. She's the Was, chief administrative officer now. Awesome. Cause that would have been really unfair. <laughs> <laughs> it was her idea to do the promotions actually. Okay. Well, since <clears throat> it would be really bad if she wouldn't have given herself. <laughs> I will say, I mean, I, I feel like I'm feeling insecure about this. The reason Why? we gave ourselves the promotion is that, you know, we're a growing company. Well, yeah, and so, I mean, it, we needed to create an opportunity for our staff that work with us to have, you know, a runway to move up in their career. So, like, if I remained, you know, director of sales, that means Ben, who's the sales manager, can literally never be anything else. Yeah, because well, he's no, capped it, it out. Can, it completely so, makes sense. I mean, yeah. you you expanded from a single facility company to a multi facility yeah. company. We've got seventy gonna, employees now. That is a lot of employees. It is a lot. That should keep you up more than the... It does. Cool. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, what level of stress does that... Because uh, sh- you strike me as a person that you genuinely care about your employees. Well, and that's yeah. a big assumption, but... I, no, I'm, I do. Yeah. I, I do. <laughs> so that is, is that add a whole nother level of pressure to, uh-huh. uh, to this? Because... I mean, from one standpoint, if if it's not a success, like the person, like hurting yourself personally is one thing, but now you have 70 people depending on you also. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, you want the business to be successful so you can, you know, continue to, you know, provide, you know, well-paying jobs for people, um, you know, health insurance, uh, training opportunities for folks and just constant growth and not just the job they have right now, but developing skills so that they can be successful anywhere they go. You know, I don't expect people, however much I would love it, if someone wants to work for me for the rest of their life, that'd be fantastic. But that's yeah. not the world we live in nowadays. But 
you know, we want to prepare people to be successful throughout their entire careers. Do you have many long-term employees? Mm -hmm. We do. We've got some folks that have been with us almost since the day we opened. That's awesome. I mean, that's a testament of being a great workplace. You know, we try to be. I'm sure we screw things up sometimes that we're constantly trying to to be to be good well the people in charge always make the worst decisions <laughs> that's <laughs> true talk to any employee that's true <laughs> the people at the top have no idea what they're doing mm-hmm. I, um thank you guys lady yeah. so much for coming in um i thank you for actually no there was one more question we talked about it off the mic but the the I thought it was interesting the chain of uh, payments and like those type and the even how it's dictated by law. Mm-hmm. So I'd always wondered, like, do distributors work through for like as a pass through and just take a cut or like who pays who when so Julie has beer it's ready to go. What happens next? Um, well, depending on supplier, I mean, I don't I don't go too far into that. That's little outside my my pay grade but it it, it depends on the supplier um what those terms are um with julie i'm not even sure how there's a 30-day terms or okay so it could be 30 days so it'll be that part of it's a negotiated (laughs) contract of when i believe so yes whether it's net 30 net 60 but Mm -hmm. then i mean that's just a typical normal business relationship with any type of vendor type of yeah but what i would do is i would sell the beer to legends okay when they pick it up and then Legend sells it to the retailer. Okay. And but like what I thought was interesting, it's dictated by law when that retailer has to pay you. Depending by the county, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, certain counties are COD counties, some are net thirty. Um, and then with wine, there's a forty-five day cycle. That's kind of crazy. I, I I can't imagine why that needed to be <laughs> legislated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, that's like I, anytime I like see some weird. It's Legis- a little odd. Legislative thing like that, yeah, kind of makes you want to go back to find like what happened that there's, caused that to. And there's actually, there might be some breweries that are going to kill me for saying this out loud, but um, technically in the state of Maryland, if you're not an actual full scale distributor like Legends, so if you're self distributing, you're not legally allowed to be in anything other than COD oh, anywhere really? in the state. So they even dictate whether you can have terms with a. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so weird. Yeah. It is weird. I mean, it also is like helpful when you walk into an account and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to pay you for thirty days." We're like, "Well, <laughs> by law, check out the statute right here." Yeah. COD counties. Yeah, yeah. No, we see, probably yeah. makes your job way easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that was the last question. All right. Is there anything? So there's so much I don't know about the relationship with distributors. Thing is, there any? Thing that if I were to stop right now, you'd be like, I can't believe Kristen asked me this. Um, you know, listening to your conversation with uh, with David um, about you know who we choose. You know, uh, like I said, we have a lot of people knocking at our door. Um, the biggest thing is first you have to have great beer, you know, but also, and I think what really attracted us to uh, Denison's is that you know Julie's uh, business side, and that's these this day and age that you have to have both of those to be successful. Yeah, and um, she's up and coming. She's yeah. got a her involvement promotion. with the Brewers, you know, but her involvement with the Brewers Association, mm-hmm. her her involvement with the uh, local uh, politics and everything. It's, it's oh, yeah, that's we huge. Talk about that. You, uh, although you've been, I think you were you were on the board the last time you were on, right? For BAM, yeah, yeah, I'm on the board for BAM and on for the yeah. and for the Brewers Association. But I think the last time we talked, you would all you were 
you were about on to start boat. or I already had. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about that. You were yeah. you're so you're the chair of I was the chair of the diversity committee okay. until about a month ago and I actually um, Kevin Blodger from Union is now the chair. I asked huh? him to take over for me. <laughs> oh, cool. So I was like I don't have the bandwidth for this new expansion. <laughs> Uh, he's doing a great job, uh, but yeah, no. Kevin and actually, and I actually sit on the board for the Brewers Association together now, okay. which is pretty cool. I get to see him four times a year. We get to travel yeah, over are, the country. Are there three people from Maryland, or is it the two of you that uh, are on the it's board? It's the two of us from okay. Maryland, and then you've got um, Leah Cheston from uh, Right Proper, okay, which is DC. Um, so you do that for the National Brewers Association, yes. And you're also on the board for the Maryland, Maryland Brewers Association. Yes. What what position do you hold on that? I don't. I'm just a, an at oh, large okay. member. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, and the Brewer, National Brewers Association just released the diversity report. They did on um, which this. is I'm pretty excited about. That was a top priority for me while I was chair. We had spent time figuring out. What data are we going to collect? What are we going to be looking at? Because we wanted to create a baseline um, to see where we were at. Because you can't measure future improvement if you don't know where you're starting from. And so we just released those uh, data points in that report yesterday, actually. Yeah. I have, an edge. I have, a, I have it open on my screen it's to It's exactly read. what you I think it would be. The craft brew industry scales very uh, male and very white. And bearded, probably. <clears throat> but we didn't ask about we didn't ask about facial hair. That was one data point we didn't ask or about. Or affinity to uh, <laughs> uh, overalls or uh, um, flannel. No, we didn't. Although sometimes you wear those things because of a safety situation, which is always a good thing. Yeah. So, Doctor J, who mm-hmm. is she's local, right? She's in Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Local-ish. Local-ish. Yeah. Um. So. Actually, we should probably record an episode just about this, but I do have a couple more questions for this thing because it's something I've wondered. Is Maryland further ahead than other parts of the country when it comes to diversity within breweries? Or is that just my perception from the outside? Um, I don't know the answer to that because we haven't done data specific to Maryland. Um, My perception is that it is as well. But I also think that there's parts of Maryland that are a lot more diverse than, say, the whole country. So, like, Silver Spring, for example, where we are, we're an extremely diverse company. Riverdale Park, extremely diverse company because we it's a diverse community. Yeah. And you're going to have employees that work and live in the same area. Uh, Baltimore, same thing. I mean, you look at Union, their, their staff is also extremely diverse as well. And I think that just comes with... Um, the community that you're in and also i think a proactive effort on the leadership part yeah and it's a more densely mm-hmm. populated states in areas which helps like exactly. just attract uh, a larger you should you should consider group. having uh doing a show with both kevin and dr j at the same time well i, I thought you would but also be a good happy to do to it i'm a member of the diversity committee now but kevin is in charge of it so i want to make sure he uh well, we, we love Kevin, so we would obviously have <laughs> Everyone him should love Kevin. How do you not love Kevin? <laughs> I He's like he's kind of like Tom Barst where oh, yeah. like I feel like it would be hard to find someone who doesn't like him. Like I mean, if, I'm if sure you, that a yeah, person exists. But, if you think Tom or Kevin are an asshole, like you're the asshole. Yeah, like, <laughs> you should really look into a mirror and exactly. find out what's wrong with you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll go back to actually. Uh, I almost forgot. I'm going to make you do. Oh, a now mini we're doing sh- shots. Yeah. 
Oh, dear. Oh, you, Holy crap. We okay. don't mess around when we have you come here in the morning. Uh, Although it's That just it's says whiskey, afternoon. but what is that? It's whiskey. Okay, but... It says it on the bottle. <laughs> that's cool. Who made it? Like, what? Is oh, it rye? I've, is it bourbon? I've, is I've it, what is it? I found it. It was out in the parking lot. Okay. Thank you. It says, it says <laughs> I mean, you like whiskey, right? It seems I, perfectly safe. No, so the, this is... Because I don't think the last time we talked, this had been made yet. This is a... <clears throat> malt whiskey. Okay. Um, it has 25% chocolate malt in it. Okay. And it's infused with hops. Okay. Ooh. I made this with McClintock. Oh, It'll, so you made this. We'll use air quotes around that. <laughs> I was there while it was happening, and we talked about how we were going to do it beforehand, That's and great. I took some pictures. All right, so I we... filled the barrel. I did. <laughs> Good job. <clears throat> so in December, this will... The actual finished product product is going to be released there will only be 500 bottles of it um i would assume only available at the distillery okay uh Um, are we shooting this or are we sipping this i mean it's up to you i will probably just shoot it let's shoot it (coughs) cheers Cheers, guys cheers thank you thanks for sharing the whiskey david and uh thank you everyone for watching listening cheers the uncapped podcast is produced by graham cullen and me chris sands be sure to like us on facebook And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.